Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Chapter 13, and I'm going to, I'm going to think that that clock in that sound room has not been set backwards, so we're good. We're good. (laughs) Bless the Lord. Nehemiah 13, the first verse says, on that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God. Why? Because the Ammonites, now I'm talking, because the Ammonites and the Moabites had no covenant or connection with God or the people of God. They were idolaters. They, I, I, they, they, they were heathens to the bone. And so it said, as, as Moses, as they were reading from the book of Moses, basically they were saying there that those people had no connection. But it said that for they met not the Israelites. They came in to the, the camp. They were there. But it said they met not the Israelites with food and drink. In other words, there was, there was still no, no, no kind of signs of covenant there that was being given in exchange in covenant. And, and, and they did not bring anything to them, but instead they hired Balaam to curse them. Yet our God, oh come on, somebody shout, but God. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. Just like he told him, Hallelujah, Moses, he said, It doesn't matter what anybody says, I will bless who I want to bless. Hallelujah. And if I call you to bless you, I will bless you. And it don't matter what anybody else thinks. Hallelujah. Somebody in this house ought to shout, I am blessed, whether you like it or not. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm favored, whether you like me or not. Hallelujah. God will turn it around. What was meant to curse and destroy you, God will turn it around. Come on, what was meant to bring you down and completely break you in pieces, you know this, that God will turn it around. Hallelujah, I don't care how many are against you when God is for you. Oh, there ain't nobody that can stand up against the God that is for you. Hallelujah, so we lift him up. And as we lift him up, let God arise and all of the enemy be scattered. He will turn it around. Somebody shout, he's going to turn it around. Woo, yes he is. Verse 3, when the Jews heard... The law. Watch this. Because see, they were, they were hanging out with the Moabites and the Ammonites. But when they heard the law, what was the law? The law was the word. When they heard the word, when they heard the preaching, when they heard the teaching, when they heard the reading of the word, they separated From Israel, all who were of foreign descent. Something happened and brought separation when they heard the word. Oh my goodness. When I'm talking about hearing the word, I'm not talking about just listening. I'm talking about getting it in you. It brought separation there. Now, before this, Eliashib the priest, uh uh-oh, 
This is a priest over the, the tabernacle of God who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God and was related by marriage to Tobiah, which is our adversary, the enemy. Oh, come on. Too much connection there with the enemy. He prepared for Tobiah, the enemy. He prepared a place for the enemy, a large chamber where previously they had put cereal offerings, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain and new wine and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites and the singers and the gatekeepers. Somebody shout the gatekeepers. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say the gatekeepers. It is the place where they held everything, even the contributions for the priest. He had taken a large chamber and prepared it for the enemy to dwell in oh my god lord i'm about to jump all over this place i gotta calm down because i already know the end of this but in all of this i was not at jerusalem for in the 32nd year of the king of persia king of babylon i went to the king well thank god then later i asked leave of him And I came to Jerusalem. He is on a mission. Somebody in this house needs to understand we are called to a mission. Then I discovered the evil that Eliashib, the high priest, had done for Tobiah in preparing him an adversary, a chamber in the courts in the house of God. And it grieved me exceedingly. And I threw all the, oh my goodness, somebody's about to go Rambo right here. (laughs) It grieved me and it made me so upset. I went through the house. I threw out all the house furnishings of Tobiah out of the chamber. I began to clean house. I began to anoint it. Come on. And then he said, and then I told them, hallelujah, and they cleansed the chambers. He said, I come into this house. And I said, I don't know what you guys think y'all are doing. Hallelujah. But it's time to start cleaning the house of God and get rid of the things that have desecrated the house of the, oh my God. Is there anybody in this house right now that, that is ready to pick up a broom and do some house cleaning? Woo! Jesus. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them so that the Levites and the singers who did the work forced by necessary had each fled to his field. They left their positions, come on, because of so much junk that came into the house of God, into the sacred place that people were not able to stay where they were called to stay. Just to be able to make ends meet, they had to move out. Y'all with me? Then I contended with the officials. Oh, and I went to battle. Why is the house of God neglected and forsaken? And I gathered the Levites and the singers, and I set them at their stations. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 (laughs) Now, 
A few weeks ago, I was uh, uh, in California doing uh, preaching, and I was, man, all, all that whole time I was out there, it was like I just, I kept having these encounters and encounters and encounters with God and while I was alone, and, and I was in the car, and, and previously of my driving that day, I had spoke to my husband, and he had told me, he said, uh, he said, man, he said, I slept right through the alarm clock this morning, and because of that, his daughter, Kara, uh, he said, I got her to school late. Well, that is not the norm for him. He's, he's such a, been such a workaholic that he sits on, almost on the edge of his, the, the bed waiting for the alarm clock to wake, up, uh, to wake him up. He's, he's, sometimes he's awake before it because he's afraid he's going to miss it. So for him to be late to something is not normal. See, I'm trying to pull him into that. It's okay. <laughs> Just relax. <laughs> and so, uh, and he's pulling me, trying to pull me into it. So, but anyway, he, he, he called me and he was like, man, I can't believe I slept right through the alarm clock. And because of that, she was late. Well, I got off the phone and, and I realized, man, that's really strange. He doesn't normally sleep through the alarm clock. But then in my mind, I began to think about something. I began to think, you know what? He's changed the tone of his alarm clock. That's what happened. And I knew he had changed the tone of his alarm clock because at one time he had an alarm clock that, oh my, it, 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 I came out of my skin every morning, every morning with that alarm clock because it had a siren, a siren off of an ambulance and it would have a regular phone and then it would have a rooster crowing. and It had like four or five things all at one time. Who wants to wake up like that? Come on. And so, so I, my alarm, my alarm clock, it, it comes on with something very soft, and it's worship music, but it's very soft. I don't even have to have it turned up loud because my, my, my system is now conditioned to hearing that, and when I hear it, it's just a wake-up call for me. Come on. And so I'm driving down the road one day it, while I was in California, and I had my phone uh, Bluetoothed into the speaker of the car, and I was listening to my playlist and on that playlist is that worship song that I also use for my alarm clock. So I'm just driving, and I, I, I pulled up into the parking lot, and I was about to get out and, and go get me an ice cream cone that, oh, Lord, geez, one of the best places in, in Bakersfield, California. And so I was sitting there, and I was about to get out, and as I was worshiping, man, I had just been, man, I was just into the worship, and I was just like, oh, this is awesome, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, that song came on. That song that is my alarm. And it's, it's an awesome worship song. It's awesome. But when it came on, I was yanked out of worship. Because my system said, it's time to wake up now. Y'all with me? And so because my system had already conditioned itself to that tone, even though it's a wonderful worship song and it's on my playlist of worship. See, it yanked me out of what I was doing because to me it was a wake-up call. And so no longer was I worshiping, but all of a sudden I felt that, ah, oh, 
Ah, oh, well, time to wake up. That, uh, I don't want to wake up, you know, because it was, that's what it was set for. And when I heard that and I realized what had happened, it was like immediately the Holy Spirit began to download into my spirit. And he said, notice how that, uh, that thing woke you. It, it, it didn't, it yanked you out of an atmosphere into a different atmosphere because you were conditioned for it. He said, the reason why Joe's, uh, uh, my husband, his alarm did not wake him up is because it, his system had not already connected. It was a different sound. Hallelujah. So he just slept right through that sound. He became comfortable with that sound. It wasn't something that would rake him up anymore. And I, all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and he said, and so the church, so many people are in the church are in the same place. Hallelujah. They're hearing it, but they're sleeping through it. You hear me? We're hearing the preaching. We're hearing the song, but so many in our spirit, we're still sleeping through it. Hallelujah. We're lifting our hands, but we're still, our spirit is still sleeping through it. Hallelujah. We hadn't been yanked out to the point of feeling, hallelujah, the anguish in our spirit. I got to do something. I got to get passionate about this again. I got to do something, hallelujah, to make a difference in the kingdom. And I begin to say, dear God, give me the sound of the alarm. Let me know what it is that I need to say. Let me sound the alarm so that the church and the rest of the world will wake up. Oh, we're too busy wanting the world to wake up. We're too busy wanting the world to get saved. We're ready for our family to get saved. And the whole time God is saying, they're depending on you to wake up. They're still sleeping and they're late to school because you're sleeping right through the alarm clock. You're sleeping right through a sound that should wake you up. Dear God, I say, what is that alarm sound? Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpets in Zion. Look at somebody, shake them and tell them, say, you better wake up. Everybody that's depending on you is going to be late. If you don't wake up, everybody, you're waiting for them to get to do, doing the right thing. You better wake up. Oh, Father God, let me tell you something. I've been in church all my life. I've been preaching 42 years. And I've never felt the, alarm, the sound of the alarm in my spirit like I'm feeling right now. Just saying, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. It is time for the church to realize the importance of the day that we are living in. Hallelujah. To understand that I can stand here all day and we can talk about all of the signs of the time and showing you and pointing you that we are at the end time. But here's what I say. Let's start right now with the basics and just say, God, help me to wake up so that I can understand that I need to see the passion again in me to do something for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. To not get caught up in all of the junk. Hallelujah. That's going around in the church, outside the church. To not be conditioned to the world. For he said not to be conditioned. He said don't conform yourself to this world. Hallelujah. And if we're not careful, we will become so conditioned. Hallelujah. See, condition is this. Hallelujah. It's just like when, when you wash your hair. Ladies understand this. that Especially those that have long, thick hair and curly hair. If you don't put a little condition 
are in it. Uh, hallelujah. And then nothing goes through it. But see, we condition it so everything just goes through it real easy. And we ain't got to have any struggles or anything. And if we're not careful, we will conform. We will be so conditioned that we just go through life real easy. And we just think, oh, it's okay. We're just having a little fun is all. Oh, it's okay. Hallelujah. I'm just going to do this just for a little bit. It's okay. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, it ain't okay. Hallelujah. The devil, he understands your enemy, your adversary understands the time that we are in. He knows the season that we are in. And he submit me to here today to let you understand that we are in a season that you need to wake up. The alarm is being sounded. Do you hear me? The word is being preached. And as the word is being preached, something in us needs to be alarmed to bring a separation inside of us. Somebody give him praise in this house. So he said here, he said, hey, look, 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 look. He said, I, on the day that we read the book of Moses to the audience, it was found, written, that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come in and come into the assembly of God. In other words, he's saying their ideas, the way they function, the way they live, should never come in and learn and just dwell easy with us and us accept it and begin to say, it's okay. After all, the grace of God, you better be careful about that. You better be careful about that message on grace because I'm going to tell you what, it's, getting so, it's starting to get greasy grace all up in it because the, 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 the world will take it. And when I say the world, I mean, I mean even the church world, they would take that grace and they will use it to justify their lifestyle and just say everything's okay. I can Let me tell you something. The Bible, you just go into the book. I believe it's in the book of Jude and read in the book of Jude and he warns us that there will be a message that will become, hallelujah, a stumbling block to the church and it'll get to where that it is the one message that the church and the preachers of the church will take and they will mess it all up and it is this he said I need you to contend for this I need you to fight for it I need you to stand your ground for it and I'm like what, what is it what is that one what is that one message and he said it's the message of grace we are living in that day where the message of grace hallelujah has been so oh my god is anybody with me right now hallelujah so I'm seeing here when he begins to say look there has to be a separation he said I you can't allow the heathen way and they, there's no connection there. And because of that, the Bible said that there came a day when the priest uh, come up and he took in the adversary. Can I come down there with this thing on? Hallelujah. He brought in the adversary to buy. The adversary to buy. The enemy. Hallelujah. And he brought him in and he made him comfortable in a place that was supposed to be sacred and separated. Oh, my God. He said here, I want you to notice, and I got you to repeat this one, and that was gatekeepers. Somebody one more time shout gatekeepers. Uh, gatekeepers. Because, see, that's an important uh, word or title or not even a title, but a position. It's a position. It's a position of ministry. It's a position that everyone in this house is called to. Uh, hallelujah. It's not a position of holding a mic. 
deacon. It's not a position of standing, hallelujah, before a congregation and teaching. It's a position that everyone, I don't care if you've been saved for one day or if you've been saved for a hundred years, hallelujah, everyone in this house is called into this position. But he said this, hallelujah, the Bible said that when he realized what was going on, he said, I need you. He went to the king and he said, I need you to release me for a little bit. Hallelujah, because I got to go set some stuff straight. I feel my spirit drawing me. I feel something compelling me to get to the house of God. I don't know what's going on, but I feel it in my spirit. Is there anybody else in this house that's been feeling in your spirit that it's time, hallelujah, to stand up and get to the house of God, to the things of God, to find out what is it, God, that I need to do, hallelujah, in your kingdom. Bible said that he come in. And when he came in, he saw that the high priest, the one that is supposed to be leading the rest of the congregation, the one that is supposed to be upholding the law, the one that is supposed to be teaching the truth and keeping them, hallelujah, in the straight path. The Bible said that he has taken because he had somebody that he was familiar with the enemy. I don't care how familiar you are with it. I don't care if it's somebody that is living in your household and just because they're a sinner doesn't make it right for you to embrace, hallelujah, and be a part of everything they're doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And so the Bible said that he goes in and he sees that everything in the temple has been desecrated. He goes in and realizes that the high priest has begun to remove the, the, the furnishings out of the, one of the largest chambers in the house of God where they kept all of the holy vessels, where they kept the anointed things, where they kept the instruments, where they kept, hallelujah, the sacred garments. Hallelujah. They kept the offering. The Bible said they kept the wine inside that. They kept all the oil inside of this chain. And he went in and he removed it all. Somewhere he did not find the importance of keeping it there anymore. He began to play games. Hallelujah. And think just because I'm still in the tabernacle, I'm okay. Hallelujah. You can sit on a church Hallelujah, for 50 years and be a pastor's child or be in ministry or be a deacon's child. Hallelujah, and not be okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And so he said when he walked in and he saw that everything that was holy was moved out of its place to make room for the enemy. Hallelujah, and let the enemy become comfortable. God, let the drunks, let the alcoholics, let the gossipers. Let those Lord who have addictions. Let those Lord who are troublemakers. Let them come into the house of God and know God that the convicting power of God is in this house so that they never feel comfortable in their ways. In their sin. Dear God, help us to understand that we are called at a higher level. Somebody give him praise in this house. Jesus Jesus so he said I see where Tobiah has come in and he's comfortable and the people have become comfortable 
with sin. So I began to say, how did this happen? How did this happen? Because see, the Bible talks a lot about gatekeepers. If you go into the book of Esther, you'll read about Mordecai. And the Bible says that Mordecai, if you'll read close enough, you'll find out that part of his position was a gatekeeper. He would, he would, he would stay. That was his position. He was at the gate of the king's courts, of the castle. He was there. Now he saw others that were there. He was, he was in that, that range of, 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 of a position where there was gatekeepers. He was watching other gatekeepers. The Bible said that one day while he's walking, he hears two other gatekeepers. And, and they're talking about how that they can go in it, up into the kingdom and kill and destroy the king. He heard, he overheard a conversation that said, how can we go in and get into the kingdom and destroy what's inside the kingdom. Hallelujah. But I like what he did. He didn't fold his arms and, and close his ears like he never heard it. He didn't ignore it. He didn't even join in with them. Whether he liked what was going up on up in the kingdom or not. Hallelujah. He took his rightful position as a real gatekeeper. Hallelujah. The Bible also calls him a doorkeeper. The Bible also calls them a watchman on the wall. Hallelujah. And so here we watch Mordecai when he heard that something was trying to come in to the kingdom to destroy it. When a murdering spirit was trying to come in and destroy in the kingdom. I'm here to tell you that the murdering spirit is still trying to come into the kingdom. Something that will murder Hallelujah, your convictions. Something that will murder your relationship with God, a spirit trying to murder, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the holiness and the righteousness of God. There is a murdering spirit that is trying and talking and plotting on how do we get in the kingdom? Oh, Mordecai, Mordecai overheard it. And when he overheard it, He said, oh, no. Immediately, he said, word into the kingdom. He said, this is what's going on. What did he do? He took his place as a watchman, as a doorkeeper, and as a gatekeeper. Where are the gatekeepers? Where? What are the duties of a gatekeeper? Let me tell you something. A gatekeeper or a doorkeeper, it's not about standing at the door and just greeting someone. And though that's an honorable position, you understand. And, and that is a, that's a ministry of hosp- hospitality. And that's a, it's a wonderful ministry. It's, a, it's the face. You are the face of what is up here. And so, but the, the ministry of a gatekeeper is this. First of all, you need to understand that it, it is a very high honorable position. It is not just a position that is very low. If you'll read it and, and study it a little bit, you'll find that it is just as honorable as a position of some of the Levites. That's honorable. The gatekeeper. What was the duties of a gatekeeper? To protect 
the kingdom. To protect everything that is in the kingdom. To keep things that could desecrate the kingdom from coming in. And to keep holy things that are in the kingdom from going out. Oh my God. David said this. Oh, (laughs) to be in your presence is greater than anything. Lord, for a thousand, if I could just be there, there's no other place better than being in your presence. But to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Oh, God, if you'll just let me be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Why would David pray such a prayer? Hallelujah. Do you understand that he prayed it? He understood it. He was a king. He understood the importance of protecting what was in the house of God. He understood the importance of protecting the holiness and the righteousness and all that is written in the law if we do not get up and begin to protect what is holy and what is righteous. I'm telling you the enemy Tobiah is coming in and he's going to make you think that it is okay. I come to tell you it is not okay. Righteousness is still next to godliness. There is still a people that says I will take but they will be holy separated. That's the people that God is saying stand up and be a watchman can't just let anything come in everything's okay what do you know how many times I pray God when did this get to be an okay? God, when did this... Why all of a sudden all these years of all the teaching and the people that know to stand firm in what is right and right living and righteousness and being a witness? See, sometimes it's not even about whether or not it's a sin. It's, it's about, is it, is it good for you? Is it expedient? We're getting caught up on stuff, hallelujah, that we we need you to tell us, show us if it's a sin. Stop the madness. Because once we get into the spirit of God and we begin to have a relationship with him, we're all about protecting, hallelujah, what we know is right. And hallelujah, for he said, it's not, it's not about whether or not it's a law or a sin or not a sin. Here it is. Is it good for your witness? What kind of witness is it for the kingdom of God? Do you understand that the enemy wants to tear you up? He wants to tear up your beliefs. He wants to tear up hallelujah, the holiness of God. He wants to come in and desecrate it. Oh my God. Do you know how much hallelujah, I know you get the truth preached here, but do you know how much of the world outside of here the church world is embracing things? Hallelujah because they're too spineless to stand up in a congregation against everybody else. Hallelujah. Just because I don't care if somebody that is 
a pastor of a thousand member church or 1500 member church gets up and says it's okay now hallelujah where are the watchmen where are the ones that is governed by the spirit of God that is governed not by man but is governed by the conviction of the Holy Ghost again protect what is in the house protect what is in the kingdom you better recognize your enemy and you better stop trying to justify everything hallelujah because God is saying no more I've drawn a line and I got gatekeepers God is saying where are you at where are the men where are the women that will stand up and protect hallelujah not letting anything to desecrate the kingdom of God and keeping all that is holy and righteous in the kingdom Jesus Jesus is anybody hearing this because if you're not I don't know I'm screaming as loud as I can alarm blow the alarm sound it sound it sound it God is bringing separation into the church and he's saying you know you know Tobiah does not belong there who will stand up and fight for what God has already ordained. What God has already called holy. Who is it that will stand up and say, I'll make the, I'll make the choice to protect it. See, they protect the word. They protect the vision. They protect the anointing. Oh my goodness. All in the Old Testament. You read about the watchmen. Do you know another duty of the watchman or the gatekeeper? The watchman sees the enemy. He's standing on the wall. He sees the enemy coming. And when he sees the enemy coming, he alerts the rest of the kingdom. He says, look, I see the enemy. Who will be brave enough to stand up again? And say, I see the enemy. Who will be brave enough to stand up and be? Because see, being a gatekeeper is going to put you in a place where you have a lot of enemy within the church. Within your family. It's going to put you at a place, hallelujah, where you might be an outcast. But it doesn't matter who. Oh, my God. There may be some that will come and curse you because you are trying to be a gatekeeper. But what did he say? God will turn that cursing around and bless you. When Mordecai got word to the king because he was protecting the kingdom... Everything come against him, and not just him, his whole, 
all of his people. Hallelujah. It came down on them. I mean, death was right in front of them. So, so close to them that you could smell the breath of death. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that God basically stepped in and what was meant to destroy and kill because one man stood up. Hallelujah. And protected all that was in the kingdom. The Bible said that he began to turn it around and what weapons and was made to destroy him and his people. God said, no, hallelujah. We will take the enemy and destroy the enemy with the very weapons that he has come to destroy my people. I'm telling you what, you want to walk in blessing? You want to walk in favor? Hallelujah. It's got to be, it's coming down on people who are standing their ground. Hallelujah. And they're being a gatekeeper. Favor and blessing comes where people will come in. Hallelujah. Just like in Nehemiah and say it is time to clean house. It is time to stop trying to justify everything you want to do. Hallelujah. We are drawn away by our own desire. A lot of times it ain't got nothing to do with the devil. It's all about what do you want. It's all about what makes you happy. Hallelujah. God said in the last day that we live in that men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Hallelujah. We are in that day. We are trying to justify our pleasure and the love of pleasure and trying to wipe grace all over it. I'm telling you that yes, grace is real, but God is saying in the book of Revelation, repent, turn around, repent, for I'm coming after a church who was ready for me. My God, somebody look at your neighbor and tell him, say, you better wake up and get back into your position. Hiding things and hide. See, I can act, I can act holy. And I can show up and I can do all this and make it look right. But when it comes down to the bottom of the barrel, come on. That's when I stand before God. And I answer to God for everything that I did. Even those things that were in secret. I'm about to bring this to a close. But I'm here to tell you that I know what God is saying. That God is saying to some new, some of somebody here. Stop playing games with yourself. Protect what is righteous and holy. He is bringing the separation between the sheep and the goat right now. Right now. Protect what is right. Stop trying to debate everything that we just want to do. What is God saying? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Because the church is going to stand before God. The Bible says there will be much loss when we stand before God. But he also says in the, ju- in the judgment that there will be people that will not make it, but they will say, but Lord, we come to you and in your name, and, and we, we were casting out demons, and we were laying hands. We were, we're doing everything in the name Yeah, but Tobiah came in. And you rode the fence with Tobiah. 
and the sacred things. And God said, I don't play games like that. We're living in the last days, church. Jesus is about to come. I had one of the greatest and biggest, and I'm about to let you go here, but I had one of the greatest encounters that I have ever, ever had in my life. Ever. And I've had a lot of visions, and I've had dreams, and I've had God speak to me. But three or four weeks ago, I need a Kleenex. Oh, thank you. Three or four weeks ago, I had just preached a conference, and then I was right in, went straight into a revival. And while I was in that revival, I come home on, or I came back to the hotel on a Sunday night, and I was exhausted. So Monday, I decided I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm just going to hang out right here in this hotel. I'd also been working on a Christmas program that I had written for our church. Plus, I was working on other things and other conferences that were coming up. And then I was in the middle of this revival. So I just wanted to stay focused on several things. (laughs) But while I was there, because I had been working on this Christmas program, I had been just searching music because music inspires me. So I'd been searching music. So I got on YouTube. Well, I'm not real technical, okay, but I got on YouTube. And when I pulled up YouTube, at the top of it, you know, there's a a header up there, and it kind of starts telling you about different artists and their new albums and songs that are out. Well, immediately I opened it up, and I saw something, and I began to open it. Well, first, before I go into all that, let's go to, to, to Monday night. I preached. Man, God did some powerful stuff in that conference and that revival. Powerful, setting people free. I went home Monday or back to the room Monday night, and I laid down, and I was exhausted. And I just wanted to go to sleep, but I couldn't sleep. I was laying there, and I was like, oh, I'm so tired, but I can't sleep. And all of a sudden, I felt a spirit of fear come all over me. And I was like, what in the world? I've felt fear before, but I've never felt demonic activity fear like I was feeling that that moment. And I said, what in the world? And I opened my eyes, and God allowed me to see. Now, some of you may think I'm absolutely crazy and stupid, okay, but I'm telling you the truth. God allowed me to see into the spirit world. And immediately I saw demons, and they were flying in the air, they were charging me. They would like, and they were getting so close that they would stop for just maybe two seconds at a time just so I could see their face. They were smiling with this evil smile. It was the most horrific faces I have ever in my life seen. And they were just like swooping down over me like a vulture. And I could hear them hissing and and, kind of evil laughing. And I'm sitting there and I'm going... Oh, God, what's going on? What is going on? And I just, and, I, and all this was going on. And I was, I was feeling this fear, and I was like, no. And then at the same time, I'm tired. And I'm like, I can't do this. I'm too tired. And I laid there, and I said, I'm too tired to mess with this. So I'm calling forth right now the Holy Host to come and fight this battle. And all of a sudden... I saw, I'm going to stand right here. Come here, Josh, stand right here, if you will. Hallelujah. Lacey, can I get you to stand right here? Can I get you, sis, stand right here? Young man on the end, will you come stand right here? Y'all face out. 
And, and, and you stand behind me and face that way. All of a sudden, this is what I saw, Pastor Dean. I was laying in bed and all these demons were charging me. And I felt this fear. But when I said, I need the Holy Host, I need the angels right now. Take your position in my life and fight this for me. All of a sudden, I saw angels encircle me in that room. They were large. They were covered in armor. And I watched a battle as I laid still. I did nothing but resist the enemy. <laughs> I'm sitting laying there. And as the, angel, as the demons continued to come, I watched the angels as they would throw their hand up like that. Every time one would come, there were angels. They were just, just throwing their hands up all around me. And when they would throw their hand up, it would knock that demon out of the way. And they were protecting me. And immediately the Lord brought to me, and he said, did I not say that I have put angels around you to defend you and preserve you? And I realized I don't even have to spend my and exhaust myself in rebuking these demons. For Michael said, as he argued, <laughs> as he was debating and battling with Satan over the body of Moses, he looked at Satan and said, I ain't going to even take my time with you for the Lord has already rebuked you. So I'm laying there, and this is going on for 10 to 15 minutes, a battle, and I'm watching this happen in the spirit world. And then all of a sudden I reached and I got my phone and I said, i got to change this atmosphere. And I put on some worship music and I laid it down and I just laid there. And the whole time I'm watching the battle as it's still going. And as the worship music began to play, I see the angels. They have just stood their ground and every demon in that room began to leave. Thank you all. And as they left, I reached over and I began to turn my phone off. And I said, dear God, why is this happening? And I heard a voice say, but this was it, was, it was like a demonic voice. It was like one of the demons that said, you're the one that invited us here. And I said, what? Now, this is going with my message. Okay, just hang with me. He said, you're the one that invited us here. And I said, what? What? I didn't invite you here. I've been preaching my guts out. Praying for people, seeing people. Uh -uh, I did not invite you here. And I stopped and I began to go back in my mind what I had done that day. And I remembered. It was like the Holy Spirit was bringing it back to my memory. He said, you were looking for songs. You opened up YouTube. At the top of that page, you saw something that was, it was a man that he, his eyes were black. He had a hoodie on and he was just looking over his eyes, very demonic looking. And I thought, who in the world is this fella? So I opened it up to see who it was. It was Marilyn Manson. And I began to look at the titles on his song, Heaven Upside Down, uh, Jesus something, I don't even remember. And I'm like, oh my word. I've never heard this man, never heard any of his music. So, you know, you can open up songs and hear maybe 30, 45 seconds of them. So I began to do that and open it because I just wanted to hear what he was about and what, 
I shouldn't have, but I just wanted to hear what is going on. What does that mean? And I couldn't hardly make out most of the words, but some of them I could. But there was so much demonic screaming in those songs that I, after about two songs, I turned it off. And I realized I opened a door. But, 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 Pastor Connie, you're saved. You feel with the Holy Ghost. You, you're powerful. You could pray for people. You preach the word. You travel all over. How do you open the door? I don't care. You can open the door to demonic activity. I opened a door. And when I did, it came and it battled me. We open the doors and then we're sitting back wondering a lot of times why we're going through some of the stuff we're going through. Why are we dealing with this rebellion? Why are we dealing with this kind of battle? And I, what have you opened? What have you opened the door in your home? Oh, my God. We've got to clean, clean up. Some of us need to clean up our phones. We need to clean up our radio. You better clean up your house. You better get rid of some books, some movies. Some of this stuff that we think is entertainment, the enemy's coming through entertainment. Because he said, the enemy is smart. He ain't smarter than God, but he's smart. And he heard and saw in the word where it said, in the last day, men will become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And he jumped in on it. And everything that he comes through with an open door has to do with some kind of entertainment. Entertainment, something that satisfies me. God's saying, you better stand up and be a gatekeeper and protect all that is holy. Stand to your feet with me. All, now this is important right here. All through the Old Testament... You can read about doorkeepers, watchmen, and gatekeepers. But I look through the New Testament and I cannot find them. I'm like, God, where's the gatekeepers in the New Testament church? I read all about it in the Old Testament. Why did we not see the importance of it in the world that we live in today? Why? Because it brings us to a place where we are so conditioned to just going through the motion of church, thinking we've read a few scriptures here and there and Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit does not, man, I wanted this to be a shouting message. I really did. The Holy Spirit does not operate in bitter water and sweet water. Light and darkness have no fellowship. And God's calling the church to be the church again. To stand up and do what is right. To live a righteous life. To separate yourself 
from things that you know is a hindrance? Is it hindering somebody else? Is it hindering your ministry? Is it hindering your walk? But you don't understand. It's just about, I do understand. I, I know. People are battling it everywhere. I've come to shake you up to make you understand that you need to not be comfortable with it anymore. Don't get comfortable with it. I'm not saying that you need to jump up here and just begin to throw things down and say, I'm, I'm walking out and you're just completely set free because this is a day by day. Some people can do that. Some people are able to do that. But then there are others that, man, it's a struggle, but they're just don't get comfortable in your struggle. Don't get comfortable. <laughs> Because we serve a holy God. This is holy. His word is still righteous. And if we will really hear the word, it will do with us today just like it did in the book of Nehemiah. And it brought separation from Israel and the Moabites. The Bible said that in Nehemiah, he went in. He said, clean this place up. Get Tobiah out of here. He's your enemy. But he looks good. He's cute and all. Get him out. But he's not bothering anybody. He is taking the place and become comfortable in the place where the sacred things were dwelling at one time. But Tobiah and sacred things cannot dwell in the same chamber. Don't fool yourself. Don't become comfortable with your Tobiah. Don't start looking for a smaller chamber. The largest chamber in the house of God is the place in you, hallelujah, where the sacred things will dwell. He said, get ready, because we're about to clean this place up. And he went ninja on them. He went in throwing stuff out. I can see him. He began to call forth the Levites. He began to call forth Israel. He said, get in here and help me. We're not strong. Yes, you get in here and help me. Somebody had to stand up and get stern and put their foot down and say, we are not going to allow this anymore. Where are the priests of the homes? Stand up and take your position. Where are the righteous mothers? Stand up and take your position. Stop allowing anything and everything to come in just because you're tired of a battle. It's going to always be a battle because you're a gatekeeper. And gatekeepers are in the middle of the attack. The gatekeepers is between the house of God and the enemy. That's where the attack is. Stand your ground and do not open the doors to things that will desecrate everything that God has called holy. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to Life Church of Columbia.